you, worship team and Jason. And I was just remembering, yes, 2001, when my wife and I came down here and visited, and there was a job opening on staff here at the church, and we came, and we heard Jason leading us in worship, and and we just said, wow, this is just a wonderful place. Ordinary people growing closer to God, right? And helping others along the way. And then just singing out to God. And Jason, I want to give you thanks for helping me to learn how to clap. Because when I came here, I didn't know how to clap uh, to, uh, on Sundays. And so uh, Jason said, you know, you look for this certain beat. And, and I just, man, I can't do that. And, uh, and you got on my case like a good friend. And... and uh, and now I clap. I even raise my hands sometimes. How crazy is that? I mean, I've grown quite a bit, but thanks for your encouragement. Hey, we're going to continue in our uh, series of Proverbs today called Wisdom for the Path of Life. Hope you have your Bible with you today. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 13. I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. If you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 537, 537 And then after today, we're going to do two more messages with this series and kind of wrap it up. And so let's get a few more things, uh, tidbits of wisdom from God's Word as we look through the book of Proverbs together today. Start by saying this, and I've said things like this over the last few weeks, that life is full of choices and pathways. Some of those uh, lead us to life, and some of those choices lead us to death. If you look at this image on the screen here, you've got these two paths. One goes one way, one goes the other. We don't know what's around the bend. We don't know which one would lead to life, which one would lead to death, which one would lead to blessing, which one would lead to problems. We don't know, and so this is why we need wisdom from God. Because so many times in life, we encounter choices. What am I going to do today? And then what am I going to do now? We are stuck in these pathways. Where do I go? And God has wisdom for us. And so as we talk about these choices of life, we've talked about how this is really a battle for our heart. There's an enemy that wants to attack every single heart here, wants to destroy your heart. And God says, I want you in this path of life, I want you to have the path that leads to life. I love you as we just sang And I want you to take the path that leads to life. And so we have this wisdom from God. He desires the best for us. We're going through the book of Proverbs, mostly written by Solomon, the great king of Israel. Solomon writes this, and we've said how early on he said things like this. There's this phrase he uses over and over called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. If you would have this reverence for God... If you would have this perspective, this worldview that he is God and you are not, it's going to help you make the right choices. If you start thinking you're God, your path is going to lead to death and to trouble. Solomon then talks about how wisdom calls out. Over and over he says, wisdom is calling. Would you listen? Even today, wisdom is calling you. I'm going to direct you in in Proverbs 13 here and, and say, wisdom is calling. Would you listen? Would you follow? Would you obey? And some of you are like, mm mm too difficult, too demanding, too tough, whatever it might be. Wisdom is calling and so is folly. And so today as we look into God's word, I would hope that you would hear wisdom calling, that you would pursue that. We've talked about where we've gained wisdom, and I want to readdress this. We gain wisdom from the word of God, the word of God, 
You see, God shows us this path of life through this inspired word. It's profitable for teaching and correcting. It's for training us. And so God says, I've got much wisdom right here. And that's why we open it on Sunday mornings. And I would hope that you would open it up besides Sunday mornings, that you would open it up throughout the week, that you'd listen to music that is based on this, that you would allow this to direct your steps. We gain wisdom also from the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. If you were here today and you were a believer in Jesus Christ, you came to a point and said, I'm a sinner, I need to be made right Jesus, would you enter my life? When you do that, his spirit comes into your life. It's not that you just are trying to be better. You put on this Christian facade, but actually the very spirit of God comes inside of you. And he gives you direction. He says, no, this would be wise. This would be foolish. And the spirit of God gives us wisdom. Let me also say this, that we gain wisdom from the people of God. And so ordinary people, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God, is a great source of wisdom. And we've talked about this over the days. That you and I, this is one of the reasons we need each other, is because we can offer wisdom toward one another. Now, let's look at Proverbs 13. Proverbs chapter 13, page 537. I want to focus on one verse. One verse, verse 20. Would you look at that, please? Verse 20 says this, follow along, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me just read that again. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. See this verse, this one verse, and, and Solomon is just kind of spouting off different pieces of wisdom here. And the, this one's saying, who you interact with. Who you interact with through life is is a key for you in making wise choices. Who do you interact with? Do you interact with the wise or do you interact with fools? And thus, here's the point I want you to hear today. We need wisdom to grow a team of godly friends. We need wisdom to grow a team of godly friends. Now, I don't care what age you are. You need to grow a team of godly friends. You're young, you need this. You're older, you need this. Doesn't matter what stage of life, you need this. Doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for years or if you've just started this journey with Jesus or even if you are just checking out Jesus saying, I'm not sure yet. You need a team. You need a team of godly friends, one who will bless your life. Verse 20, look at this again if you would. Verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. I know that you know this, that friends can either be great supports or great hindrances, right? Think of your own friendships as you're writing down these words. That friends can either be great supports or great hindrances for you. As you think back on your life, I imagine you can think of some friends who were great supports. In times of trouble, they were there for you. And yet you can probably think of some people in your life as well. There were great hindrances that said, let's go smoke this. Let's go drink this. Let's go look at this. Let's go do this. And you said, okay, because they were friends. And maybe you were that supportive friend. Maybe you were that friend that was a hindrance. Well, God, he's wired every single one of us to need each other. He's designed us to need friends, to need people in our lives. 
And so as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, where did I learn about friendships and what were my friends like? I remember as a kid watching TV and I learned about some friends. They belonged to a bar in Boston, Massachusetts. All right. The name of the bar was Cheers. You want to go where everybody knows your name, right? So this one guy would walk in and everybody would greet him by saying, Norm, because they knew him and they were friends. And at times they were supportive. At times they were hindrances. As I grew up and got a little older, watched another TV show and learned about these guys, friends. Who is that? Phoebe, Joey, Monica, Ross, Rachel, and Chandler. Chandler Bing, right? And they, they got together and they were there for each other and they supported each other and yet they were hindrances for each other. And, and then I thought of one more a tandem that were just buddies. They taught us that you've got a friend in me. And that was Buzz Lightyear and Woody. All right. I'll tell you, you start singing that song a little bit, it gets in your head, man. I was singing that. Oh, you got a friend in me. Okay. Anyway, what I want us to do today is I want us to consider our friendships. I want us to consider our need for friendships. So let me start by asking a few questions of you today. The first question would be this. What does your team of friends look like? What does your team of friends look like? Do you have a full roster of friends? Is your life a one-man team? Or do you have some toxic people in your life? Enablers? Negative people? Godless people? Consider your friends, your team of friends. What is your team like? Verse 20, look at this again in Proverbs chapter 13. Whoever walks with the wise, he's talking about your team of friends. If you have wise friends, if you have friends who fear the Lord, if you have godly friends, you will become wise. But the companion of fools, if your team is filled with foolish people, you will suffer harm. If you're taking notes, you can write down Psalm 1. The very first psalm talks about there are blessings for you if you have these kind of associates and friends. And there are blessings if you stay away from these type of people. And as I was looking at that question, I thought, well, I'm going to ask some more questions to help you understand your team of friends today. To help you understand your team of friends. Question number one. If you were hurting right now, if you were hurting, who would notice... Who would notice? What do you have in your life that if you were hurting, someone would notice you? Someone would actually help you? Someone would give you godly advice? Who do you have? Who do you have that if you were hurting? If your heart was hurting? If your body was hurting? If your relationships were hurting? Who would notice? Who would help? Who would give godly advice? As you think about that, do you say, you know what, I, I have wise and godly friends? Or are you saying, you know what, actually I have fools as friends? Or are you saying, I don't have anybody? No one would notice. Let me ask another question along this line. If you were confused, if you were confused, who would notice? Who would help you? Who would give you godly advice if you were confused? You're saying, I'm not sure what to do next. 
I'm not sure how to work through this problem. I'm not sure how to assess this situation or this season in life. I'm not sure what to do. Who do you have when you're confused? Who's going to notice? Who's going to help? Step up and help. Who's going to rescue? Who's going to give you godly advice? One more question along that line to help you understand your team of friends. And it's this. If you were wandering from the faith, if you were wandering from the faith, who would notice? Who would help? Who would give you godly advice? Because this is, these things are all things that we, we all hurt and we all get confused and we can all wander from the faith at times. Do you have somebody who would notice and say, I haven't seen you at church. I, I've been hearing how you have been posting on Facebook, whatever it is. I, I'm just concerned for your heart. I'm, I'm concerned that you're wandering from the faith. Who do you have that would notice? Then that would actually help you that would give you godly advice. Who do you have? See, a good team of friends, what it's going to do is help you grow closer to God. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And I don't want you to think, just because you have 300 Facebook friends, that you're good to go. All right? You think, man, I got this one, I'm fine. I got a lot of friends. I then went on Facebook this week. I thought, I'm just going to do something here. How many friends do I actually have? I went on Facebook, looked at my account. I have 379 friends. I thought, what a blessed man I am. Woo! Then I just started saying, if I was hurting, how many of those 379 would notice and would step up and help and would give me godly advice? If I was confused in life, if I was wandering from the faith, of those 379, who would really notice? Who would really care? So myself and the great staff we have in the office, what I did is we found out how many friends I have here at the church. And then we said, of those friends, how many friends do you have? And so we just started adding those all up and and said, okay, the people in the church have this many friends on Facebook. And when we added it all up, I found out that on average, my friends that belong to this church have 359 friends. I was kind of impressed with that number, and it made me think two things. One, because I have 379, I'm better than average. But then I thought, oh, these aren't really friends, are they? I mean, they're acquaintances. We know them. And I thought sometimes we just think, well, I got this many people in my life. But do they really notice? Would they really help? Would they give you godly advice? We know lots of people is what Facebook tells us. In fact, one person said to me, because he has over 1,000 Facebook friends, he says, you know what? If I saw their picture, I know every single one of their names. I was like, wow, impressive. I said this, if you were hurting, how many would notice? How many would come to your rescue? How many of these would give godly counsel? I was just preaching my message to him early. Who would notice? And maybe you're here today and you're answering, I got no one. 300 friends, I wish. My question would be, why is that? Why, why do you have no one? Or maybe you're here today and go, 379, I got 579. Well, why do you have so many friends? Why? Why? 
leads me to more questions. Here's another question. What is your transparency level with your team? What is your transparency level with your team? How much do you share? You see, on Facebook, we kind of share these things. We call them um, uh, drama, right? Uh, Status updates. So you are very transparent with your drama, right? Status updates, that's what they're called. You're, You're very transparent. And when you do this, some people are just, oh. I block some people. I'm so tired of hearing of their drama, okay? I'm just not that good of a friend. I'm like, man, I don't need to hear all of that every single day. But what's your transparency level with your team? I want you to see this quote here, that the health of your team is partly based on your openness to be on a team. The health of your team, if you're thinking of your team of friends, whatever that is, if it's one or five or ten, the health of your friends is partly based on your openness to be on a team. Two Sundays ago, I finished preaching. I went home and I shared again with my wife that what I had been sharing the last couple of days and I just said, I'm kind of empty, just running out of gas, just Kind of hit a wall. There's some things going on. Nothing major, but just hit a wall. I was transparent with one friend. And I called up two of our elders and I said, just trying to be honest with you, but I've I've hit a wall. I think I need a break for a bit. And they said, okay, we'll find somebody else to preach for you. And Rob shared with us last week. But it was more than that. I said, okay, fine, you got a sub for me. But I need to go out to coffee with you and just share with you eyeball to eyeball and tell you the five things that are in my life that are weighing me down. And I said, i got to tell my team that not only I just need a break, I just need to vomit a little bit. Would you let me do that on you? So Brian Rosen and Lee Ike let me do that for a bit and I got to vomit a bit. And the health of your team and the health of my team is partly based on our openness to be on a team. Are you on a team? You see, in transparency, sometimes it's sharing. I I did some sharing. They did some listening. And on a team, sometimes you do the listening, you do the sharing. But it's being willing to say, you know what? I'll let my heart be known. Or I'll take time to listen, sharing and listening. Leads me to another question is this, what kind of teammate then are you for others? What kind of teammate are you for others? What kind of teammate are you in your family, with your work associates, with your classmates, in the church? What kind of a teammate are you? You're like, I show up a lot. I just pop in and, I don't know, is that a teammate or just a consumer are you a teammate to your family, your co-workers, your classmates, your neighbors, the church? Are you available for someone? Anyone? Are you a blessing for someone? Anyone? What kind of a teammate are you for others? Are you, as the front of our worship program would say, are you helping others along the way? Are you there for someone? You see, as you grow in wisdom, you are meant to help others grow. So what kind of teammate are you? Let me say this then. 
because God has a plan for us. God has a plan for friendships, and he has a plan for a team, and he has set this up. And God's plan for a team is called the body of Christ, the body of Christ. You were thinking it was Facebook. It could be at times, but the plan that God has for you and for all of us, for teammates and friendships, is the body of Christ. Now, when you place your faith in Jesus, you became a believer in him. You became a Christian. But what happened is you received his spirit and you became part of his body, universal body. You became a member of the body of Christ. You're saying, well, what part am I? I feel insignificant at times. There are parts of my body that probably feel rather insignificant. They're saying, I don't get as much face time as the face does. But we are the body of which Jesus is the head. And you, believer in Jesus, are part of this body of Christ. And so in this body, every single finger is needed. Every ligament holding it together is needed. Every bone is needed and needs to be in its proper place. You've had bones that aren't in the proper place, right? It's not a good thing. God has designed us to be friends and need friends. He says, I've designed you to be part of something where you are to be a friend, you are to be a part of the body, and you are to receive from the body. Does that make sense? And so we need each other for protection and acceptance and encouragement and correction and love. And honestly, there's a part of me that wants to be a great friend with all of you. Okay, And that's the part that's very idolatrous in me. It's like if I could become friends of all of them, oh man, I could be their hero and I would be able to meet their needs and I would be able to give them godly counsel. That's not the way it is. I'm not the head of the body of Christ. Jesus is. We are all the body. We need each other. I know that sometimes people are like, but I want to hang out with you. Really, I'm not that cool. What you need is each other. You need each other, and this is the way God designed it, is that we would need each other. Let me show you some things the body of Christ is set to do. It is set in place to guide you. The body of Christ is set in place to guide you. So there are people next to you and behind you and in front of you and people that aren't here today and people that might be in Mexico or across town that we serve with together in our community that are there to guide you. And some of you listen to them on the radio or on TV and pastors from around the world. They are there to guide you. Look at a couple of Proverbs with me. Write these down. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, where there is no body, where there is no guidance here, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We need each other. Proverbs 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. See, we need each other. You're thinking, I'm trying to do this all on my own. It's not really working very well. You're not doing it right. You're part of a body of Christ, of which he is the head. You need to be a friend, and people need you. As their friend, and you need them as their friend. The body of Christ is set in place to guide you. Secondly, the body of Christ is set in place to support you. 
Just think about your own body for a second, how it's supporting itself even right now. There's a part that's thinking, there's a part that's breathing, there's a part that's with bones and ligaments and muscles and skin holding together that you could even sit like the way you're sitting. All all the body's brought together to support itself. And God says, I've done the same thing with you. Don't live this life alone. You need each other. You need each other. Look at a couple of Proverbs here. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So there's friendship. You see, we're going to have problems. You've had them, and you will have them forever and ever and ever until we're with Jesus. And you need people there to support you in times of adversity. You're saying, I'm trying to do it on my own. You're not. That's not the way you were made. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, great passage that says this. So let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is our job. How can we spur one another on? And so when someone says to me, Scott, you need to clap when you sing because it's good for you to get your whole body. I'm like, man, I, I, I haven't done that. I can't do that. Spurring me on. I find that now I can raise my hands. and I'm like, man, it's so freeing. I need a little spurring on. There's so many ways that we need spurring on love and good deeds, encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching, the day when we will meet with God. You see how you've been designed to be part of a body? As I was thinking about this this week, teams and friends, it reminded me of a story. It took place in 1947. 1947, I wasn't quite born yet, but... Uh, Being a baseball fan, I knew this story. Prior to 1947, in professional American baseball, Major League Baseball, only whites were allowed to play. If your skin color was something like mine, you could play Major League Baseball in 1946. But in 1947, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers says, I want a black man to play on my team, a man of African-American descent. I want to bring this black man on my organization. His name's Jackie Robinson. So Jackie Robinson starts playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and he was hated by people all across our country. Now, 1947, this is the start of a 20-year period of civil rights movement. There's much fighting going on. Some of you experienced this much more than I have. Jackie Robinson is part of this, and he's trying to play baseball, and people are calling him the worst names possible. They are giving him death threats. But he had a team. He had an owner. He had teammates. He had friends to help support him. What do you do when you get letters saying, if you show up in our city, I will kill you? What do you do? You need teammates. You need support. Well, Jackie had that from an owner and from one player, specifically a white man named Pee Wee Reese. Pee Wee Reese. Well, one day they were playing in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1947. They go there. Pee Wee Reese, this is kind of a homecoming for him. He's going back to a place. He's from Kentucky. Cincinnati, Ohio is right on the border of Kentucky there. He's going home, and everybody's going to see him as the hometown hero, even though he's playing for the Dodgers. But he's the white hero. His teammate is the hated black Jackie Robinson. And for that season, specifically that day, 
Pee-wee Reese did something to support his teammate that rang throughout the stadium and rang throughout the nation for years to come. In fact, to this day, there is only one number in all of baseball that has been retired by every single team. Some teams have their heroes, but one number is retired throughout all of baseball, and it's the number 42, which was Jackie Robinson's number. man who broke the color barrier. And I believe that he only broke this color barrier because he had support. He had teammates. How many times did he want to quit when people are giving him death threats, when people are cursing at him, when people are throwing the ball at his head? But to this day, if you go up to Seattle at Safeco Field, they have a few numbers retired of great Seattle Mariners, but they have the number 42. And if you would go to Boston, Massachusetts, you'd see the great Red Sox and you'd see number 42. You'd go to Los Angeles Dodgers, and they've got some great players, but they'd have the number 42. And I think, oh, what a great man he was to face that. But do you understand he had to have the support of teammates? If we could ask him, he'd say, I I couldn't do it on my own. I had teammates. I had people who came beside me and encouraged and wrapped their arms around me. I want to show you a little video of what took place in Cincinnati, Ohio, an image of probably what it looked like back there. Cincinnati, 1947. Let's watch. How do you make it through a tough time like that without support of friends? Watch that this week, and then as I'm watching TV, I find out that this is on. I'm watching this. I'm bawling. It's just a great story of friendship and support. And then I start thinking, oh, if I had a friend like that, right, that would come alongside me and say, it's going to be all right. If I had a friend who would just stick his neck out for me at times. Now I'm blessed to have a church family that are great friends for me, and I hope that you have great friends here as well. But then I started thinking, you know what, we have one who stuck out more than his neck for us, didn't he? We have one who stuck out his arms for us, spread them out, and went to the cross on our behalf. And Jesus did this. He says, I'm doing this because you're my friends. Look at this passage in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this. He laid down his life for his friends. Jesus said to his disciples right before he went to the cross, he said, I call you my friends. And he looks at us today and he says, I call you my friends. And there's no greater love than to lay down your life. And I've done that for you. So that you could be a friend of me and I could be a friend of you. You see, I, I would hope that you would understand that in order to become wise and to make choices that honor God, you need wise people in your corner. I'd hope that you'd process these questions and figure out, why do I have so few friends? Why do I have so many, uh, many superficial friends? Well, but ultimately, I would hope you'd ask, is Jesus my friend? And if he is, that you would go to him, that you'd share your heart to him. Because he says this, ah, I went to the cross for you because I love you. I'm your friend. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me right now, just to reflect. To reflect on friendship. What has God been saying to you? 
as I've been sharing this about your friends. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I got no one. And God says, hey, I, that's not my design. I have first given you my son. Would you receive him? And then let me place you in this body. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, a lot of people know my name and I know a lot of their names, but no one really knows my heart. Maybe today God's calling you to share and to be transparent, to listen, to share your heart. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you did not create us, sent us here and just said, go figure it out but that you have given us your word and your spirit and you have given us this great friend and your son, Jesus. And I thank you for that friendship. And I thank you then that you have placed us into the body of Jesus where every part matters, where every part is to bless the others. God, would you speak to us today? Some of us, you are speaking words of correction saying, yeah, it's not good how you've been living alone. For some of you, for some of us, God, you are saying, I want you to step out and reach out and be that friend to share, to listen. God, if there's anyone here today that may not know you, I, I ask that you would simply give them the faith to say, Jesus, I need you. And I'm glad that you enter their life at that moment. And for those of us, God, who do know you, who have a friend in Jesus, would you just continue to grow us, that we would grow for your glory and for the sake of others. So thank you for this time today. Thank you for your word. Grow us for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we close in singing one last song today?